uh, from this study about Psalms 23 and how a shepherd interacts with his sheep. We understand, and let me go ahead and say real quick, let's just put that on pause. Uh, You see the backpacks behind me, just in case you're wondering uh, about those, and you'll hear more about them in the second service. These are the backpacks that were put together yesterday for uh, 15 of them will go to home missions, and 15 of them will go to the Central City School System. And uh, if you'll remember a couple weeks ago, we made pledges, we took envelopes, and uh, turned in monies for backpacks, and these are the backpacks. These are the fruit uh, of that. And uh, it was an incredible, uh, incredible opportunity to impact our community. And there's a little token of gift in there uh, for each one of the kids in the central community. And uh, who knows? It may touch the life of somebody and they may want to uh, investigate a relationship with God over a backpack. You never know. I don't sell God short on these things. So anyway, that's what these are. Don't worry about them. Uh, I do understand that uh, when Sister Christie went to pick up the backpacks, they went to Academy. They're all Jansport. They have lifetime warranties. You'll hear about all that, I'm sure. But they wiped Academy out. They bought 30 of them, and I think that's just about all Academy had. So uh, some poor stock clerk at Academy was not real happy when she left. So, But anyway, uh, you'll hear more about that later. But anyway, I, to go back to what I was saying, I, I hope that you're gleaning from this. When we understand how a shepherd interacts with his sheep, Jesus himself saying that he is the good shepherd. David wrote the Psalm 23, having been a shepherd, he knew how, uh, how a shepherd and a sheep, he knew that relationship very well. And so when we can understand it, I have never raised sheep. The closest I've seen sheep, I've actually petted sheep, but I've never raised a sheep. The closest uh, thing I've gotten to as far as a farm animal raising is cattle. Uh, I never owned any, but I got the opportunity to work on a dairy farm for uh, a couple of years. And, uh, but when we understand the, op- the, the relationship between a shepherd and its sheep, it shows us and explains to us how God relates with humanity. And it tells us how God relates in our life. And so when we understand that the shepherd, a good shepherd, which we understand that God is, loves his sheep and is willing even to lay down his life for them, then we know that God does love us. And when we understand and we've talked about it, that a good shepherd in the middle of the night, when he's supposed to be sleeping, when he's supposed to be at rest, will get up and take... Uh, a stroll through the pasture where his flock is to make sure that there's no wild beast attacking them, that, that they are in comfortable uh, surrounding, that their needs are being taken care of, even uh, when it costs him his inconvenience and his time and his effort when he's supposed to be sleeping. In our dark times, God, uh, in my opinion, will stroll through our lives just to make sure that Even though it's dark around us, God's not sleeping. He's up, taking inventory of our life and knowing that even though it's dark right now, in just a few hours, will come a new day, will come daybreak. And so God knows that. So 
when we don't see anything but darkness, God's not asleep. God's not resting. Uh, he's, he's still in control of our life. And when we see that and understand that, then it gives me hope. It gives me courage. It uh, strengthens my faith that God truly does know who I am. God truly does care about me and the needs in my life. And He's going to uh, make sure that those needs are taken care of and that those needs are ministered to, and that's what a good shepherd does. In Psalms 23, in verse 2, the Bible says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Talking about the shepherd, the Lord, makes you to lie down in green pastures, and He leadeth me beside the still waters. What does David, what is he talking about when he says He makes me to lie down in green pastures? What significance of that? Uh, what, what, is, what is the significance of that to our lives? Why would God want to, why was it significant for David to mention that God can make us lay down in green pastures? Sheep, by nature, are fearful. And we've talked about that. And for a sheep, it is virtually impossible for it to lay down at all. Not because physically they're not able, but because of their mind, because of their fear, they find it almost impossible to lay down unless there are four conditions that are met. There's four things that have to transpire in a sheep's life for him to lay down. And notice that David is saying that, that the shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord, who he has already identified in verse 1 is, is causing him to lay down in green pastures. So what, what, what transpires to make that, make that happen? Because, because sheep are so timid, they will not lay down unless they are completely free of fear. One of the requirements that sheep re, that have to have before they'll lay down, before they'll find themselves at rest and lay down, is they have to be completely free of fear. So David is saying that when he makes us to lie down in green pastures, that there's a place and a relationship with God that we can get to where we are free of fear. Because sheep, uh, because of their social behavior, a sheep will not lay down unless they are free of, of friction and tension in the flock. If there's no friction in the flock of sheep, then they will, they will lay down. They will be at rest. A sheep won't lay down unless they are free of pests and parasites in their bodies. They will not lay down. And then the fourth condition that must be met before sheep will lay down is they have to be completely free of hunger. If they're hungry... They won't lay down. They will, get, they will continue to feed even if the grass that they're eating on is dry, brown, uh, no nourishment, nothing to them. Uh, they will con continually feed uh, day and night trying to fill their hunger so they will not sit down or, lay, or they will not lay down unless they are free of hunger. The interesting thing about these four conditions for sheep is all of them are the responsibility of the shepherd to take care of. It's not incumbent upon the sheep to make sure that they are free 
of parasites. It's not incumbent upon the sheep to make sure that they are free of fear. It's not incumbent upon the sheep to make sure they are free of friction within themselves. It's not their responsibility to make sure they're not hungry. All of those responsibilities fall on the back of a shepherd. So you can always tell if a shepherd is doing his job by driving past the flock of sheep because the sheep will be laying down. If you, if you see a flock of sheep that are restless and they're constantly moving and they, they can never seem to get their feet planted, they can never seem to be uh, at rest, they, they're constantly having to go, they're constantly, uh, they're uneasy, you know what I'm talking about, nervous and, and tense and, and never being at peace. That's because the shepherd is not doing his job. The same can be true in our lives. There's people that, that, that never seem to be at peace. There's people that I know that profess a relationship with God, but they're never at peace. They're never settled. They always seem to have to be moving. They're going, and, 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 and they just can't quite get a grip on, on life. And, and so you would think then that, that maybe the shepherd is not doing his job. But we know that God always does His part. So then we must ask ourselves what, what shepherd uh, is over them. So all of these things belong, all these responsibilities belong to the shepherd. And He is responsible for taking care of these things. So we're going to go over them a little more in depth, what they mean uh, this morning. First of all, sheep have no... Natural defense. They have no natural defense. The only defense a sheep has is to run. <coughs> Excuse me. Only run. They can do nothing else. They don't have big teeth. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have a ferocious roar. They have no defense except to run. And because of their timid and fearful nature, because of their heart of fear that they constantly have, they oftentimes as a, uh, an enemy of the sheep will approach, whether it be a dog or a mountain lion or, or whatever it is approaches them to destroy them, oftentimes the sheep will stand petrified in fear and watch themselves get killed. <laughs> now you think, how dumb. And it's true. The more I read, the more I realize sheep are dumb. They are dumb. And it's unfortunate that God and the Word of God parallels humanity and sheep. It shows us how bright we are. We, we oftentimes do the same thing. I keep kicking that thing and I hope I don't break something. I've got to stand still. But we oftentimes do the same thing. As we see danger approaching us in our life, rather than to react to it, rather to, than, than run from it, we will stand there and let it take us over. I have seen it happen not only in my life, but I've seen it happen in lives of countless other people. You can tell them, I remember... Uh, several years ago, a lady after church came up and, 
and began to talk about her son that was, uh, that was fixing to enter his teenage years. And, and Brother Murphy told her, he said, this is what you need to do. She was worried about him. He was starting to, to take some bad paths. And, and uh, he said, this is what you need to do. And four or five years later, that lady came back and said, Oh, pastor, can you help me with my son? He's doing drugs and he's living a life that is is nothing to do with God anymore. She didn't do a single thing. She saw the danger approaching. But then rather than react, rather than to engage the battle, rather than allow the shepherd to do his job, she just stood there petrified in fear and allowed her family to be destroyed. The last time I saw this young man, I uh, saw him just two or three years ago, uh, covered head to toe in tattoos and is a, a drug addict and, and all of these other things. And, and it's the result of somebody standing there in fear while the enemy came. That's how sheep do. A rabbit... Just a little rabbit. I enjoy rabbit hunting. I remember when Mike Fraser used to have a good pack of dogs. We used to go rabbit hunting on, on occasions. Boy, that place over there, where was that at? Fodosh. Man, they had some rabbits over there. Deer, too. Had some good times. Man, see those old rabbits running down through the woods, hear those dogs howling. You didn't even have to kill them. You could just listen. It was just a good day. I enjoyed that. Really wish he'd get some more dogs. He tried to give me his, but I'm, not <laughs> I'm too old for that. But you would see those rabbits run out the bushes and the, the briars and all that stuff. And you know, there's just not anything that scary about a rabbit. I mean, how many people do you ever see that see a rabbit and just really just get frightened? But... But a rabbit running out of a bush can send the whole flock of sheep into a stampede. If one sheep will take off running in fright, the rest of the flock will follow him and never know what just scared them. Never know what it was. Never know the danger. If you can get one sheep to run in fear, all of them will run in fear and not a clue if you could ask them. So what are you scared of? Don't know. No idea. I'm just following the herd. Just following the herd. Just because they're running, I'm running. And the only thing that can calm sheep when they become frightened like that is their shepherd. He's the one that can walk out into the herd and begin to talk to them and begin to interact with the sheep and they will begin to calm down. They will immediately run to him when they see him because they know that he is going to protect them. They know that regardless of what it is that's coming after them, if they can get to their shepherd, that he will defend them, that he will keep them. So they, they, they run to him. And I can only imagine that sometimes this is why David had his harp out in the wilderness is that he would sit on the side of these mountains or these hills or on the rock or, or whatever the case was. And as his sheep would graze out there, Perhaps he played his harp and sang songs unto the Lord to comfort his sheep to, that they would hear his voice and know that he is there and that he is near. And, and maybe perhaps when the, the bear and the lion did show up and the, the herd got to, to stampeding, he could just start singing and they would immediately calm down because they knew he had everything under control. 
He knew that. And so that's what God does for His people. He is our protector. He keeps us safe. And you say, well, you know, I wish that uh, He would do a better job. God, we understand uh, His ways are above our ways and there are certain things that come to life as a natural cycle of life. And we've talked about all of that But we know that in the frightening times, we know that in the fearful times, that we can always run to God. We can always go to God because He is a good shepherd. There's been times in my life that I've been afraid. There's been times in my life that I've not understood the future. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't even know sometimes where I'm at. But I can always go to God. I can always go to God in just a few minutes of being in His presence, you start feeling calm again. We see people running crazy in the world. You see people running wild. Life is falling apart. And and I've had people even ask me, "Where, where do you go? What can you do to get rid of all of this? It's in the presence of God. When you get to the presence of God, when, when the Good Shepherd, and He's your shepherd, when you get in His presence, I've talked to people, I've proven it to myself many times, and I tell people this all the time. Normally, just a a couple of hours before up until church time, there's something going to happen that will make you want to stay home. You can get in a fight with your spouse. Has anybody ever fought with your spouse right before church? Wait a minute. (laughs) I got one saying never and the other one sitting there raising both hands doing this. You'll get a headache. Your back will go to hurt. Car won't start. Grass needs mowing. You name it. There's a million reasons right before church to say no, not going. And they're justified, Brother Merrill, but you don't understand. I do understand because if life under the control of Satan, and and I, I can tell you some things about that, if it can get us running away from the shepherd, then he wins. Because the wild beast does not attack. The wild beast will not come after the sheep when the shepherd is standing there. But if that wild beast can scare the flock and get you running, if he can run you away from the shepherd, then he can single you out and take you down. That's why it's always important. It's imperative that we are faithful to the house of God where we can be in the presence of You say, well, Brother Merrill, God's everywhere, and He is, and God's an ever-present help. Yes, He is, and I believe all of that stuff. I I absolutely do, and God is wherever you're at, and I agree with that. But but it's just nice to be in the house of the Lord with people of like precious faith and and to be in the presence of God. And you're not going to be in the presence of God for long before you fear or you begin to feel a calm come over you. Just being in the presence of the shepherd brings a calm. I've had people tell me that I came to church tonight depressed as I mean just so depressed I can't hardly stand it so lonely I can't hardly stand it with such a bad headache I can't hardly take it 
feeling sick, feeling this, feeling all of these things, but it wasn't long after church started, even when it's just an old Wednesday night or even when it's just Sunday morning, Sunday school, and, and Brother Merrill's up there harping on the same old stuff. It wasn't long after I was in church that all of a sudden I realized my headache was gone. I realized that I wasn't feeling those feelings of depression and loneliness and heartache anymore. Just being in the presence of the shepherd brings a calm to the sheep. Just being in the presence of the shepherd. And then the second thing that causes sheep to lay down is they're free of fear. And then the second thing is they have to be free of friction within the flock. We've all heard, and, and, and when you talk about flocks of birds, you have a pecking order. And we understand that, how the dominant, uh, usually the dominant male and the dominant female, will, will, they will build an order, and so uh, they will work themselves down until everybody in the herd or the flock knows where they belong. Uh, if you've had horses... It's real obvious at feeding time. I've seen, I had a friend of mine, we had 13. I had two uh, horses on his place. We had 13 total and he had a big mare. Her name was Baby. And Baby was bad to the bone. But she was second in line. Baby would kick everybody out of the feed trough. She was big. She was a big horse. She was wise. She was heavy. She was just a huge horse. And there was one little old scrawny horse that was 24 years old, and her name was Maul. Maul was top of the food chain. Maul owned the feeding trough. And that was the only horse, I've witnessed it a, a hundred times or better, that's the only horse that would make baby run from the feed trough. Baby liked to eat. She liked to eat a lot. She not only wanted her portion, she wanted everybody else's. But when Maul finally strode up there from the pasture, she never ran. She didn't have to. Maul would just stroll up there. She would walk right up to baby. She would take her and bite her right on the neck. Baby would take off running, and when Maul got done, she'd walk off. And everybody else could come up. And feed, and we all understand that it's the pecking order. Kids go through that. Have you ever seen kids go through the pecking order? They fight. Who's going to reign supreme in the house? I'm the favorite. No, I'm the favorite. Especially boys. I don't know. Do girls do that? They do? Okay. Got several people going. I had two sisters, I was just the brunt of all of it. But sheep also do the same thing. They have a pecking order, and usually it's the dominant you. They actually, in the sheep uh, society, they call it a butting order because they butt each other. That's how they, they establish their dominance. And uh, the dominant you will usually butt away any other of the lower uh, sheep from the best food and the best uh, sleeping area, all of that stuff. She'll usually, uh, she'll usually butt them away and keep them uh, away from her choice grass and where she wants to eat. And, and so then the second in line will do that all the way down until uh, you're talking about the little lambs. They will even hit them to get them away from them. 
uh, if it does not belong to them. That's just how they do. And sheep won't lay down as long as there's friction. As long as they feel like that they have to stand up and protect their little area. As long as they think another sheep is going to come get their spot. I've got my little spot of grass over here and I don't want anybody else to come over here and get my little spot. So I'm going to stand here and I am going to protect my little spot. I'm going to protect my position. I'm going to protect my place. I have to, to keep uh, to keep my spot mine and therefore I, I have to stand here and protect it and I don't trust everybody else. And I don't, I don't trust when they say that they're not going to come over here and try to take uh, my spot. I, I'm not going to, to believe that. But I have to stand here. I have to stand here and protect my, my reputation or my, I have to stand here and protect my, 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 uh, my, my stuff. Humanity always has this, this part of us that tries to keep up with the Joneses. We've always heard of that, that, uh, that little cliche, I guess it is. We've got to keep up with the Joneses. If you get a car, I've got to get one nicer. If you get a house, I've got to get one bigger. If you get a job, I've got to try to get one that pays more. We all understand that. We all want to be the top dog. We all want everybody to look up to us yeah we do you can look at me and go nah you don't know me yeah you do there's some part in you it may not be your dominant trait but there's some part in you that just says man if I could do it there's so and so down the road that just drove up in that brand new BMW whatever I went to BMW Baton Rouge two weeks ago with my boss. I don't have a BMW. I can't afford one, and I'll be honest with you. Oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't BMW. It was Mercedes-Benz. I don't have a Mercedes. One day, maybe. I don't know. I don't really like the way they look. Anyway, well, I was at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge with my boss picking up some parts for a Dodge van. I know that sounds strange. I'll tell you... Real quick, it's got a Dodge name on it. The chassis is Freightliner, and the body is Mercedes, and Mercedes sells the parts. So you'll walk up and see Freightliner on the front, Dodge on the back, and it's all made by Mercedes. There was a lady that drove up in her Mercedes-Benz car with the front headlight busted out. My boss and I walked out of the service department, or the parts department, and she said, well, here's your next job. Y'all get to fix my car. Doesn't say Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge on my shirt. In fact, my shirt says nothing. I don't know why she thought I was going to fix her car. I said, no, ma'am. Unfortunately, I don't work here. Thank you very much. And then she proceeded, whether we wanted to hear it or not, to tell us about the story of the guy at McDonald's that backed into her car. But we see people with these fancy things and we desire to be the top dog. We want to, to have the best. And boy, if I could just be better than so-and-so for just a minute, just one time in my life, I'd like to up them. They always seem, just about the time I save up to get something a little bit better than them, they always seem, just before they know it, they buy something better than me. 
And people will spend their life trying to be the top dog and they can never rest. They never are at peace. They're never at comfort because their life is devoted to being the top, to being the best. This is where jealousy begins to creep in. This is where petty things that don't really mean anything can be turned to hatred and bitterness because we want to be the, the top of the food chain. We want everybody to look up to us. And, and we, the people like this always feel like they have to stand up and defend their territory to make sure that nobody gets better than them and, and nobody takes their, their place and, and that there's, there's rivalry in people and somehow it, it's, in, it's inherent nature in humanity to always uh, rival each other, to try to outdo each other. And, and the only thing in the sheep world, the only thing that can end this rivalry is the presence of the shepherd because they know that a shepherd will reprimand a sheep when we get into the, the Bible study about the staff, the rod that he carries, that's an incredible Bible study, but one of the things that he does with that is reprimand sheep. You see, when that big ewe walks up to that little lamb that doesn't belong to her, and he just hauls off, she just hauls off and hits that lamb and sends that thing spinning, if that shepherd's close enough, he's going to take that rod and whap her with it. Anybody know about spankings? Has anybody ever gotten one? Really? Sister Anita, there's no way. You were an angel as a child, I'm sure. Oh. You learn stuff every day. That's all I can say. Brother Brian, I know she's an angel now. <laughs> I appreciate honesty in the house of the Lord. I got a few in my life. My mother will tell you that I was pretty close to an angel. Just don't ask her. Sister Lawrence has been knowing me a long time. She knows I was an angel too. But the presence of the shepherd ends that rivalry. When the sheep are focused more on him and realize that he's the top dog and it ain't about the other sheep, that he will take care of all their needs, He's going to make sure that this sheep eats just as good as this one does. And that one sheep is not getting better grass than the other. And the watering hole, regardless of where you stand, you're drinking the same water. Only the shepherd can do that. And when we realize that in our lives, that if God is our shepherd, and He's the shepherd of me, and He's the shepherd of you, that God is going to put into our lives those things which are beneficial to us. And he will withhold out of your lives things that can detriment you, that would be a detriment. Now, there are some things that Brother Bunch might be able to handle and would not be a detriment to him that could cause me to lose my relationship with God. Why should I get envious or jealous of him when he receives those things? I'll use this as an example, but it goes far beyond just this. Please understand that. But we're going to use the most common thing people are jealous over, and what is that? Anybody? I thought I heard it. Money. They got money. God, man. Them sorry people. 
They got more money than you can shake a stick at, and they won't do nothing with it. And here I am, can't make my electric bill, and they'd never miss that $400. I hope $400 ain't your electric bill. The reason why some people have money is because they can serve God with it. Some of the reasons some of us don't have money is because we can't. You can get quiet if you want, but it's true. I told God many times, God, if money would cause me to lose my relationship with you, please don't give me any. Just let me live the best I can without losing my relationship with you. Because if a million dollars would cause me to go to hell, you can have your million bucks. It's true. Now that's just an example. There's a lot of other stuff that people try to keep up with and try to rival others. But the presence of God, realizing that God is not a respecter of persons and that he's going to give to you the quality that he's given to somebody else, even though it may not be the identical thing. He's going to give to you into your life. And may, you may not ever have as much money as the person sitting next to you. Maybe you can't handle it. But he's going to put into your life qualities of the same magnitude as this person. But it will be a little something different. Because God is a good shepherd. And he wants all of his sheep to succeed. He wants all of his sheep to benefit. He wants all of his sheep to prosper. And then, I've got to hurry. Man, time slips away when you're having fun. Then sheep won't lay down unless they're free from parasites and pests. Sheep can get very distracted. They can get to the point where they will hardly even eat by such wonderful creatures as nasal flies, bot flies, ticks, stuff like this. They will get so caught up and distracted by these that they will spend all their time in the woods trying to uh, go through the trees and stuff to constantly keep this stuff off of them, and they never eat. They become skinny, not physically. The sheep do, we wouldn't. I guess you could if you ran through the woods and never ate. I guess you would become skinny. But the sheep will lose, they will tear their wool out on the bark and the branches of trees trying to get rid of ticks. They lose their value by these pests and they can't lay down, they can't find comfort uh, because of these pests. So it is the, the shepherd's responsibility to constantly watch the flock and when he notices that the flock is getting uneasy by pests, then he realizes now it's time to do something. And so he has to begin to administer, depending on the pest, different types of oils and ointments, uh, some of them very expensive, to rid the sheep of these pests, uh, to rid them of these, these parasites and these these uh, things that cause them distraction and discomfort. 
We as humanity get bothered by little things. You ever heard this thing? Boy, that really just bugs me. What is a bug? If you ever gone fishing in the salt water and the wind dies down and you're in the marsh, you're fixing to find out what a bug is. They have these almost microscopic little things called gnats. If you spell it out, it's a good gnat. But those things come out of that marsh by the multiplied gazillions and they will hone in on your boat. And if you are not careful, you will get packed off by the gnats. I have been out there where it was absolutely miserable. Catching fish, couldn't wait to go home because the gnats were just... And, of course, you got somebody in the boat that wants to hand you a thing of skin so soft. That's the worst-smelling junk. And the, the gnats love it. They would lick it off of you, then bite you. But they bother you. They pest you just... It looks like you're at the signal corps. You know the old military signal corps? That's all you do all day. You could be giving baseball signals. Yeah, hit a home run. And so wherever, occasionally we would fire the boat up, leave a good fishing hole. You would always say, man, we haven't had a bite in the last 20 seconds. I don't think they quit. Let's go. Reel it in and let's run. And everybody was agreeable because you were going to get rid of the gnats for a few minutes. Just get a break. You couldn't fish because of the bugs. How much, And they're so small. They're so insignificant. If you look at it, you're just like, man, how is that causing me so much trouble? But life has a tendency to bug us. And things that, become, that are so insignificant, they're so minuscule, they're so microscopic in the scope of eternity will distract us to the point that we can't even serve God. We can't live for God. We can't be faithful. We can't be dependable because of some microscopic, insignificant little something that has kept us out of the will of God and kept us out of His presence. But God is always in tune with that. And if we'll let Him, the Holy Ghost is referred to in the Word of God as an oil, as an ointment. We, we hear of the balm of Gilead, the, the oil of the Holy Ghost, and it is sent to soothe and to heal those little things in life that bug us. If we'll allow God to minister to our life and give Him the free will and the reign in His life that He wants, then, then these things will be taken care of and, and things won't bug us so much. We'll know that God is soothing us and healing us. And then, last, the sheep have to be free of hunger. The Bible says, David wrote, that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Most sheep country, the best in the world, is generally found in semi-arid areas of the world. They're not really uh, known for their lush green pastures. They're not known for their best, uh, the best grazing land. They're usually mostly desert-type lands and, and just shrub, little shrub grasses out there. Now, not good for sheep. So a green pasture that David's talking about doesn't just happen by nature. It's by work of the shepherd. He has to irrigate. He has to plant. He has to cultivate a green, a green pasture. It results in a lot of work, a lot of hard toil. He has to, to move the rocks and all of this stuff. And God does the same thing in our lives. We have 
stony unbelief in our hearts and, and He tears up the roots of the bitterness that we have and He breaks up the hard hearts of man and He sows His Word of God. The Word of God is sown into our heart that eventually over a process of watering and we all understand the process of a seed that our lives can become fruitful in a green pasture, a place of rest, a place of of comfort and when we rec- when we get to that area then we're not hungry like we used to be we don't always uh, search out for things to fulfill our lives we don't we're not searching for other things that cause us uh, to constantly worry and stress to fill this hunger but yet we have the presence of God and we have our shepherd and we're laying uh, laying down in a green pasture a pasture that has been toiled and cultivated and grown over time and then we have peace and we can lay down there and we're free of fear we're free of conflict we're free of pest and we're free of hunger And so when David said that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, this is where God wants each one of us to be. This is where joy and peace and comfort is found. I told somebody this past week that I can tell you that there's no fulfillment at the bottom of a beer bottle. You know how I know that? Because I have a family member of mine that's emptied one right after another trying to find it and can't. If you want to know where fulfillment is, you want to know where peace is, you want to know where contentment is, you want to know where rest for your life is, where you don't struggle so much, you want to know where that is? It's in a green pasture. And the only way you're going to get there is by being in the care of a good shepherd. You can try everything else. It won't work. Guaranteed. Promise. It's not going to happen unless you're in the hand of Almighty God.